Section twenty one of O. Henry Encore by O. Henry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Veriton Villa. The following story of Southern life and manners won a prize offered by a Boston newspaper and was written by a young lady in Boston, a teacher in one of the advanced schools of that city. She has never visited the South but the faithful local color and character drawing shows an intimate acquaintance with the works of mrs h b stowe albion w tourgui and other well-known chroniclers of southern life every one in the south will recognize the accurate portraits of southern types of character and realistic description of life among the southern planters will you go penelope asked cyrus it is my duty i said it is a grand mission to go to texas and carry what light i can to its benighted inhabitants the school i am offered will pay me well and if i can teach the savage people of that region something of our culture and refinement i shall be happy well then good-bye said cyrus offering me his hand i had never seen him so passionately aroused i took his hand for a second and then got upon the train that was to bear me to my new field of duty cyrus and i had been engaged to be married for fifteen years he was professor of chemistry in the massachusetts state university i had received an offer of forty dollars a month to teach a private school in a little town in texas and had accepted it cyrus received twenty dollars per month from his chair in the university he had waited for fifteen years for me to save up enough money for us to get married i seized this chance in texas resolved to live economically and in fifteen more years if i kept the school that long we could marry my board was to cost me nothing as the de Beers, one of the oldest and most aristocratic families anywhere in the south offered me a place in their home there were several children in the family and they were anxious to secure a competent teacher for the little school which they attended the station where i got off was called houston and i found there a team waiting to convey me to Veriton, the little town six miles away which was my destination the driver was a colored man who approached me and asked respectfully if i was miss cook my trunk was placed in the vehicle which was an old rickety ambulance drawn by a pair of wretched mules and i mounted beside the driver whose name he said was pete while we were driving along a shady road pete suddenly burst into tears and sobbed as if his heart were breaking my friend said i will you not tell me what is the matter ah missy he said between sobs i happen to look at dat busted link hanging down from dat tree chain and it reminded me of massa linkum what am in heaven what give us po slaves freedom pete i said do not weep in the mansions of the blessed above your godlike liberator awaits you singing among the hosts of heaven abraham lincoln wears the brightest crown of glory i laid my arm gently across pete's shoulder the poor soft-hearted grateful man whose dark skin covered a heart as pure as snow still sobbed at the remembrance of the martyred lincoln and i made him lay his head upon my breast where he sobbed unrestrainedly as i drove the mules myself the rest of the way to Veriton. Veriton was a typical southern home 
i had been informed that the de vere family were still very wealthy in spite of having lost a great deal during the rebellion and that they still lived in the true aristocratic planter style the house was two-storied and square with big white pillars in front large verandas ran entirely around the house about which climbed dense masses of ivy and honeysuckle as i alighted from the ambulance i heard a chattering and saw a large mule run out the front door driven by a lady with a broom the mule lay down on the veranda and the lady advanced to meet me are you miss cook she asked in the soft slurring accent i bowed i am mrs de vere she said come in and look out for that damn mule i can't keep him out of the house i went in the parlor and looked about me in amazement the room was magnificently furnished but i could see the southern sloth and carelessness visible everywhere a wheelbarrow full of dried mortar stood in one corner that had been left there when the masons built the house five or six chickens were roosting on the piano and a pair of pants were hanging on the chandelier mrs de vere had a pale aristocratic face with grecian figures and snowy hair arranged carefully in becoming ringlets she was dressed in black satin and wore flashing diamonds on her hands and at her throat her eyes were black and piercing and her eyebrows dark as i took my seat she drew a long piece of plug tobacco from a silver card receiver and bit off a chew do you indulge she asked smilingly i shook my head the h blank you don't she replied just then a horse dashed up to the veranda or gallery as they call it in texas and someone dismounted and entered the room i shall never forget my first sight of aubrey de vere he was fully seven feet in height and his face was perfect it was the absolute image of andrea del sarto's painting of the young saint john his eyes were immense dark and filled with a haunting sadness and his pale patrician features an air of almond stamped him at once as the descendant of a long line of aristocrats he wore a dress suit of the latest cut but i noticed that he was barefooted and down from each side of his mouth trickled a dark brown stream of tobacco juice on his head was an enormous mexican sombrero he wore no shirt but his dress coat thrown back from his broad chest revealed an enormous scintillating diamond tied with a piece of twine strung into the meshes of his gauze undershirt my son aubrey miss cook said mrs de vere languidly mr de vere took a chew of tobacco from his mouth and tossed it behind the piano the lady who has kindly consented to assume our scholastic duties i presume he said in a deep musical baritone i inclined my head i know your countrymen he said with a dark frown upon his handsome face they still grope among their benighted traditions of ignorance and prejudice what do you think of jefferson davis i looked into his flashing eye without flinching he was a traitor i said mr de vere laughed musically and stooping down drew a pine splinter from one of his toes then he approached his mother and saluted her with that chivalrous reverence and courtesy that still lingers among sons of the south what shall we have for supper mammy he said whatever you d blank please said mrs de vere aubrey de vere reached out his hand and seized one of the chickens that roosted upon the piano 
he wrung its neck and threw its quivering and fluttering body upon the delicate brussels carpet he took a long stride and stood before me towering like an avenging god with one arm upraised the other pointing to the fowl struggling in its death agonies that is the south he cried in a voice of thunder the bleeding and dying south after gettysburg to-night you will feast upon its carcass as your countrymen have been doing for the last thirty years he hurled the head of the chicken into my face with a terrible oath and then dropped on one knee and bowed his kingly head pardon me miss cook he said i do not mean to offend you twenty-eight years ago to-day my father was killed at the battle of shiloh when the supper-bell rang i was invited into a long lofty room wainscotted with dark oak and lighted by paraffin candles aubrey de vere sat at the foot of the table and carved he had taken off his coat and his clinging undershirt revealed every muscle of a torso as grand as that of the dying gladiator in the vatican at rome the supper was truly a southern one at one end was an enormous grinning opossum and sweet potatoes while the table was covered with dishes of cabbage fried chicken fruit cake persimmons hot raw biscuits black haws may pops fried catfish maple syrup hominy ice cream sausages bananas crackling bread pineapples squashes wild grapes and apple pies pete the colored man waited upon us and once in handing mr de vere the gravy he spilled a little of it upon the tablecloth with a yell like a tiger aubrey de vere sprang to his feet and hurled his carving knife to the handle in pete's breast the poor colored man fell to the floor and i ran and lifted his head good-bye missy he whispered i hear the angels singin', and i sees the blessed mars abraham lincoln smilin' at me from near de great white throne good-bye missy old pete am goin home i rose and faced mr de vere inhuman monster i cried you have killed him he touched a silver bell and another servant appeared take this body out and bring me a clean knife he commanded resume your seat miss cook like all your countrymen you evince a penchant for dark meat mammy dear can i send you a choice bit of the possum the next day i met the four devered children and found them very bright and lovable two were boys and two were girls ranging from ten to sixteen years of age the little schoolhouse was half a mile away down a beautiful country lane full of grass and flowers i had fifteen scholars in my school and except for a few things my life at veriton would have been like paradise the first month i saved up forty-two dollars my salary was forty dollars and i made the other two by loaning small sums to my scholars for a few days at a time for which they paid me from ten to twenty-five cents interest i took a curious interest in studying the character of aubrey de vere he was one of the noblest and grandest natures i have ever known but it was so far influenced by the traditions and customs of the people with whom he had lived that scarcely a vestige of its natural good remained he had been splendidly educated at the university of virginia and was an accomplished orator musician and painter but from his early childhood he had been allowed to give way to every impulse and desire and his manhood showed sadly 
is lack of self-control one evening i was in the music-room in the second story of the de vere mansion playing over that loveliest of schubert's lighter hark hark the lark when aubrey de vere entered of late on account of some strange whim he had become more careful in his dress this evening he wore a shirt thrown open in front exhibiting his massive collar-bone and a black velvet smoking-jacket trimmed with gold braid in a fanciful design on his hands were white kid gloves and i noticed that his feet on which he absolutely refused to wear shoes had been recently washed at the pump he was in one of his most bitter and sneering moods and launched forth into a most acrimonious tirade against grant lincoln george francis train and other heroes of the union he sat down upon the centre table and began scratching one of his ankles with the toe of the other foot in a manner that he knew always irritated me resolved not to become angry i continued playing suddenly he said pardon me miss cook but you struck a wrong note in affecting the run in that diminished seventh i think not i answered you are a liar he replied you struck a natural when it should have been a sharp this is the note you should have played i heard something swish through the air from where he sat on the centre table he shot between his teeth a solid stream of tobacco juice with deadly aim full upon the black key of an a-sharp on the piano i rose from the stool somewhat nettled but smiling you are offended he said sarcastically you do not like our southern ways you think me a mauvais sujet you think we lack a plum and savoir vivre with your boston culture you think you can detect a false note in our courtesy a certain lack of fineness and refinement in our manners do not deny it mr de vere i said coldly your taunts are nothing to me i am here to do my duty in your own house you are at liberty to act as you choose will you move one of your feet and allow me to pass mr de vere suddenly sprang from the table and clasped me fiercely in his arms penelope he cried in a terrible voice i love you you miserable little dried-up washed-out white-eyed sallow-cheeked prim angular yankee schoolmarm i loved you from the moment i laid eyes on you will you marry me i struggled to get free put me down i cried oh if cyrus were only here cyrus shouted mr de vere who is cyrus cyrus shall never have you i swear he raised me above his head with one hand and hurled me through the plate-glass window into the yard below then he threw the furniture down upon me piece by piece the piano last of all i then heard him rush down the stairs and in a moment felt a stream of liquid trickling down among the broken furniture i recognized the acrid smell of petroleum heard the scratch of a match and the fierce roaring of flames felt a sudden scorching heat and remembered no more when i regained consciousness i was lying in my own bed and mrs de vere was sitting beside me fanning me i tried to rise but was too weak you must keep still said mrs de vere gently you have been ill with fever for two weeks you must excuse my son i am afraid he startled you he loves you very much but he is so impulsive where is he i asked 
he has gone to bring cyrus and it is time he had returned how did i escape from that dreadful fire aubrey rescued you after his fit of passion had passed he dashed aside the burning furniture and carried you back upstairs a few minutes later i heard the sound of footsteps and looking up saw aubrey de vere and cyrus potts standing by my bedside cyrus i cried how de do penelope said cyrus before i could reply there was a loud and fiendish yell outside the front door was broken down and a dozen masked men dashed into the room we hear there's a d yankee in here they cried lynch him aubrey de vere seized the table by the leg and killed every man of the lynching party cyrus potts he thundered kiss that school mom or i'll brain you as i did those other fellows cyrus dabbed an icy kiss in my direction a week later cyrus and i left for boston his salary had been raised to twenty-five dollars per month and i had saved two hundred and ten dollars aubrey de vere accompanied us to the train under his arm he carried a keg of blasting powder as our train rolled out he sat down upon this keg and touched a lighted match to it one of his great toes fell through the car window and fell in my lap cyrus is not of a jealous disposition and i now have the great toe in a bottle of alcohol on my writing desk we are married now and i will never take in another trip to the south the southern people are too impulsive houston daily post sunday morning may tenth eighteen ninety six end of section twenty one